Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to preview Saturday's Kentucky Vanderbilt football game down in Nashville. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff on ESPN2. UK's trying to snap a three-game losing streak. They're 6-3 and three overall, 4-3 and three in the SEC. Vanderbilt, meanwhile, is 2-7 and seven overall and 0-5 oh in the SEC. Uh, I talked to Chad Bishop of Vanderbilt Athletics, VUCommodores.com, to get his scouting report on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Clark Lee in his first season down in Nashville as the head coach. And I talked with Josh Moore, UK football beat writer for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Before we get to our interviews, I want to remind people you can get a sports pass, sports only, digital subscription to Kentucky.com, $30 for the first year. Go to my Twitter feed. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV at the top of the feed. You'll see a tweet, the pinned tweet that tells all about the Sports Passports only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. You get all of our UK football, UK basketball, UK recruiting uh, columns by Mark Story and myself, high school coverage. You get it all for $30 for the first year. Check that out or go to Kentucky.com, click on the subscription tab there, and check out all the offers for both the print edition of the Lexington Herald-Leader and digitally on Kentucky.com, the subscriptions there as well. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald-Leaders. Appreciate everybody that supports the podcast. Remember, you can find this podcast on on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and our radio podcast. Leave us a rating and review. We appreciate everyone who does that. And any feedback on the podcast, send it to me at jclay at herald-leader.com. Okay, let's get to it. My interviews first with Chad Bishop of vucommodores.com on the Commodores. And then we'll be talking with Josh Moore of the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is a friend of the podcast, Chad Bishop, who works for Vanderbilt Athletics, covers the Commodores, all sports as far as the Commodores are concerned. Uh, we're talking to Chad today about football as Kentucky and Vanderbilt play Saturday down in Nashville, 7 o'clock start on ESPN2. First of all, how's it going, Chad? John, it, it's going great. Uh, glad to kind of be back in the full swing of sports after you know a tough 2020 for everyone uh, with, with COVID-19, so it's just... Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before how busy things are, but honestly, it, it feels great to be busy again after a, kind of a hectic year last year. Yeah, we're in that overlap part of the season. Uh, Vanderbilt, we're recording this on uh, Thursday morning. Vanderbilt uh, had their first uh, men's basketball game last night. Kentucky had their first men's basketball game on Tuesday. You were telling me, Vandy, uh, basketball plays again on Sunday. Kentucky plays on Friday, and we got the football game <laughs> on Saturday. So, yeah, this is the busy time of year. That's for sure. Okay, what about Vanderbilt football? Clark Lee in his first year as the Vanderbilt football coach. Uh, what's what's it been like with the new coach, and, and how are things are going? I know it's a rebuilding project for the new coach, but how are things going? You know, honestly, John, things things are going great. You know, Clark Lee has has, has come in and just um, and I, I you know breath of fresh air might be a, a wrong term, but uh, maybe maybe a, a different. Uh, you know, mentality or, or mindset from him and his staff. And uh, it, it's been fun to work with and fun to watch. You know, the results on the field haven't really lined up quite yet, but that was sort of to be expected, right? I mean, Vanderbilt, 
coming off the 0-9 season in the COVID year, just had so many kids. You hit the transfer portal, you know, other other kids just uh, graduated. Some just gave up football as a whole. Uh, injuries have taken the toll on the team. But but Clark Lee is, is, is the type of coach that is, is very down to earth. He's very honest with us. He's very honest with his team. Um, you know, he doesn't get too fired up. He doesn't get too down. Really very an even keel head football coach. So, you know, he's been great to work with and he knows it's a process and his team knows it's a process. And, you know, I, I've told folks that while, you know, he's called this team, team one, and, and a lot of people say this is year one for Clark Lee. And I almost look at it as a, a year zero and maybe even a year negative one because of uh, it feels like the program has to go backward just to, just to shade before it goes forward uh, with some of the sort of the roster attrition and the numbers they have inside the locker room. But um, there's been some glimpses of hope, like the Colorado State win and the UConn win and playing South Carolina and Missouri close. So um, they're hanging in there and they're battling and they know they have a long road ahead. So so it's been it's been real positive to be around the program and see what they're doing over there. He's a Vandy guy. So, I mean, he knows the situation. He wasn't coming into it blind. He knows the challenges of being the coach at, at Vanderbilt. How do you think that's worked to his advantage? It's worked great, and not only was he a Vandy guy, he was a, he was a Vanderbilt walk-on fullback in the, in the turn of the century, and played for Bobby Johnson. And those who you know know the history of SEC football, Bobby Johnson had some pretty lean years when he started out at Vanderbilt before the program kind of turned a corner uh, and made a few bowl games toward the end of that decade and leading into the James Franklin era. So. Uh, Clark Lee knows that things take time and, and they have to build a certain way and Vanderbilt has to recruit a certain athlete and uh, academic rigors are a little bit tougher maybe than, than most places. So yeah, he, he certainly understands all that. And I think part of that is he he understands the vision of what Vanderbilt could possibly be, you know, whether that be what it was under Bobby Johnson or James Franklin or, or even Derek Mason, you know, who made a couple of bowl games in his tenure. So uh, I think he, he has a, um, just a, a very stringent vision vision of what he wants. And he knows it's going to take a while. Uh, but like you said, being, being the alum and being a former football player, he knows, you know, some of the hurdles he has to cross to get there. And he's, he's not afraid to jump those hurdles and meet those hurdles head on. Okay, let's start with the Vanderbilt offense. I know, uh, well, first of all, talk about the quarterback situation. Uh, played two guys there. I know one, is, one has been hurt. Uh, I know injury is kind of factored in there, but I know play is also kind of factored in there. What does it look like coming into the Kentucky game? Yeah, you know, I was at practice on Tuesday night, and I saw both Mike Wright and Ken Seals taking snaps. Ken Seals uh, was out for a few weeks with an injury, and Mike Wright was the, the primary starter. Before that, Ken Seals was the primary starter, and, and Mike Wright was the backup. So uh, I really do, you know, I don't, I don't think it's coach speak from Clark Lee. I really think he will wait till Saturday or even Friday to make a decision who's starting the game against Kentucky. But I don't even know if that matters this week, and I, I think both will play because both have played well. Um, they're not too dissimilar as folks would think. I mean, Ken Seals is definitely more of the pocket passer prototype and probably throws a more accurate ball. Uh, Mike Wright can run it uh, much better, you know, has, has really, really good SEC type speed, has broken a couple 70 yard runs already this season. Um, and, and maybe sometimes his scrambling ability gets him into trouble because he, he looks to scramble maybe for reading some of his progressions but um you know they, they both have made plays and both thrown touchdown passes and and both uh led the office offense pretty well at times uh so i think it's possible they both play on saturday um and, and regardless of which one of them plays i mean they, they have to play extremely well for this team to have a chance and neither one of them could throw an interception or fumble the ball uh, have to convert third downs really some of the basic 
you know, football things that need to happen for an offense to be successful. And if, if either one of those guys do that, uh, I think the Commodores will, will have a chance to be in the game. But if, but if those guys struggle, it could be a long evening for uh, the home team. What about uh, who, who are a couple of guys uh, for Kentucky fans to look for on this Fandy offense? Yeah, I think you start with the wide receiver core. Um, coming into the year, it was it was thought to be the strength of the team, and I still think it is. I mean, there's there's a senior by the name of Chris Pierce who has NFL operation uh, aspirations just because of his height uh, and his size. Uh, Will Shepard is a young kid, a sophomore who's really become one of the main receivers for this offense and then cam johnson is a veteran who kentucky fans probably know that name because he's he's played for a while here at vanderbilt so they got three really really good receivers who they can get the ball to and then a couple tight ends and ben bresnahan and gavin schoenwald uh, who are also good blockers but can catch the ball to the back or out of the out of the passing game as well and then you know in the backfield it's been a revolving door because raymond davis who was a, a transfer from temple started the year really really hot and, and I think Vanderbilt's offense was probably going to revolve around him he went down with a foot injury Rocco Griffin came in a young kid from Savannah he played really well he went down with an injury uh, Patrick Smith is a speedster but he's very very small uh, he's the third string running back but he's uh, shown glimpses of being able to break some big runs so they've they've got a couple running backs back there and Griffin and Smith who could make big plays just don't have a ton of experience or, or a ton of size right now to compete you know, maybe consistently at the SEC level, but but those guys are certainly factors. And if uh, you know those, any one of those guys get loose on Saturday, that'd be that'd be big for Vanderbilt. Okay, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Clark Lee was the defensive coordinator under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame uh, before he uh, came home to Vanderbilt to be the head coach. Uh, what what about this Fandy defense? How have they played? And it is, is it scheme wise a much different defense or? Is there many differences between the defense that Derek Mason uh, used when he was the head coach there? Yeah, there, there's definitely some differences. I think over time and in the future, it's, it's going to be a very, very exciting defense to watch and a defense that really shuts people down. They, they like to use a lot of the, the hybrid kids right in this modern football where, um, you know, he's not type of he's not really a linebacker. He's not really a defensive end, but he can rush. He can go pass coverage. Um, they call those guys the anchors and the stars. Um, and, and so they've got some kids back there right now playing that position, like a Dericky Wright, uh, Anthony Orgy in the middle is a very good linebacker. So they have some pieces to build around. Uh, the secondary they thought coming into the year, you know, would be pretty good, but it, it has struggled. And a lot of that is partly due to being on the field way too long. Clark Lee always talks about complimentary football you know where the offense helps the defense and the special teams helps both and uh, that's been a struggle all year so the defensive numbers especially in the in the past defense have been pretty bad to be honest but a lot of that again has to do with that team being on the field way too long whether it's giving up a third and long whether it's a penalty that keeps the drive alive whether it's a special teams miscue that sends the the defense back out there so um, the good news is for that defense in Clark Lee is, is there's a lot of young kids on that on that side of the ball, and a lot of them will start to play Saturday and beyond because of that four game you know red shirt rule, right? And, and Vanderbilt only has three games left, so a lot of young kids on the roster who will start to see um, you know some some time this weekend and the next couple weeks to end out the season. And I, I think going into Clark Lee's future, you know, and the future of the Vanderbilt defense, that's going to be key for, for those guys because I think over time the defense will be the strength of the Vanderbilt football. What about uh, what about special teams? What does the kicking game look like for Vandy? You know, it, it's been kind of like everything else, a little bit inconsistent. Joseph Bulibus, a, a grad transfer from Alabama, has had some really big kicks. He beat Colorado State with a kick. He beat UConn with a kick. 
but then went down to Florida and missed a couple. Uh, missed one, you know, I think missed one at uh, South Carolina, if memory serves. Um, punter Harrison Smith is great, but again, has had some games where just hasn't really had it. Um, the kick return unit early in the year, pretty good. And lately has, has kind of let up some big returns. So again, uh, just kind of the, the, the growing pains of building a new program is consistency, right? And a lot of times Vanderbilt on a series uh, will look good on a field goal kick. They'll look really good. And then the next time it won't be so good. So uh, it's just, uh, it's one of those things where, where uh, series in series out, you're not quite sure what you're going to get from the Commodores. And that, that includes special teams unit as well. Okay. Kentucky has won the last five uh, meetings between these two teams, but several of those, including last year, were very close games. Vanderbilt was 38-35. Kentucky won last year in Lexington. Um, you know, you go back, it was a 14-7 game in 2018, 20-13 in 2016. And also, when you look at Vandy's scores, I haven't got to see a whole lot of Vandy play this year, but when you look at the scores, like you mentioned, they, they lose by a point at South Carolina when they could have very easily have won that game. <clears throat> Missouri was a representative game they only lost 37 28 uh how do you feel like fandy feels and they've had an off week to maybe get some guys healthy how do they feel you think coming into this game yeah you know i i think i think they feel good i mean i i don't sense any uh you know any uh downtroddenness if that's the word i you know i don't think they've given up on the season like you said uh had an off week uh to to recover to rest to get some guys healthy um, you know, I, I talked to Bradley Ashmore, an offensive lineman earlier this week about it. And, and he said, you know, it's, it, they want to attack, you know, these last three games of the week or last three games of the season. They don't want to start looking ahead to 2022. And like I mentioned before, there's a lot of young guys on this roster and they're going out there looking for playing time, looking to prove themselves going into 2022. So I think for that reason, and like you mentioned, sort of the history of the series, I, I think Vanderbilt, you know, has a good chance of keeping this one close on Saturday just because of, of their ability to, you know, make make enough plays at time, maybe not consistently, uh, but, you know, do do like some of the things they did against South Carolina. The offense played really well against Missouri. Um, they definitely have the chance to keep games close. It's just finding a way to win. And Clark Lee has talked about that a lot this season is, is you know, winning uh, is a habit and, and, you know, comes down to the process and the way the team practices and prepares week in and week out. So that dam is going to break at some point. I'm not saying it's going to happen Saturday <laughs> against Kentucky. It's, you know, it's been 18, they've lost 18 straight SEC games, the Commodores have, and uh, I've just really found it hard when they get down there to crunch time to close that one out. But, but again, I mean, the, the team continues to play hard. Again, a lot of young kids uh, have bought into Clark Lee's program, so I don't think they've thrown in the towel in this season. Uh, so I, I certainly expect a competitive ball game on Saturday. So what does Vanderbilt have to do uh, to break that 18-game streak, to not just play close, but to pull off the upset on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, they, they cannot turn the ball over. You know, that's been an Achilles heel for the Commodores, um, especially in crucial moments, right? You, you may look at the stat sheet and say, well, they only had one turnover. Well, you know, that turnover might come after the defense has gotten to take away themselves or, you know, after they have seen some momentum and all of a sudden it's just a careless mistake. So they have to play turnover free football, I think, first and foremost. Secondly, third down has been a huge issue for the Vanderbilt defense. And I know Kentucky is outstanding when it comes to their third down offense. So Commodores have to find a way to get off the field on third down. If they can do that, 
and kind of limit Kentucky's time of possession and sort of flip the script and where Vanderbilt's offense is holding the ball, their defense is rested. Uh, maybe they'll have a chance to be there in the, in the fourth quarter. And then, like I mentioned, that special teams, right, has to be consistent and make some kicks and, and uh, cover some punts and cover some kicks and kind of put it all together and play that complimentary football for 60 minutes. And, and that's, how, that's what it will take for the Commodores. Well, and also it's a night game in in uh, Nashville in Music City on Saturday. I don't think Kentucky and Vandy have played a night game, at least not in Nashville for for a while. I know the new coach is trying to build the fan base back up, but uh, uh, and so forth. But uh, I, I would think it would be a, a lively crowd being a night game there on Saturday. Yeah, it's also a blackout for the Commodores, their first uh, this season, something I think Clark Lee wants to do annually. So the Commodores will be blessed, uh, dressed from uh, black helmets, black shirts, black pants, okay. uh, you know, trying to trying to get the fans more involved. That's, again, something that Clark Lee understands. He's been asked about sort of attendance woes, but he understands if you're not playing winning football, there's not going to be a whole lot of fans there. But I will say – you know, the fans that have turned out this year for Vanderbilt have, have been fully behind the team. They've, they've been loud. They've been into it. Um, I think they are smart enough to understand that this is, you know, the first year of, of a long rebuilding process. So they're, they're egging the kids on and, and trying to get them over the hump, too. So uh, we know Kentucky travels well. And like you said, a night game all day for the folks to spend on Broadway and in between, you know, <laughs> pre-gaming, pre-gaming, right? So uh, I think everybody be ready to go. I think it'll be a nice little college football atmosphere on a Saturday night in Music City. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. Uh, Chad, remind the listeners where they can follow you online and uh, on Twitter leading up to and during and after the game on Saturday night. Yep, absolutely. Uh, VUCommodores.com is our site. That's where you can find all the coverage. Uh, then on the Twitter, it's at Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, we sure appreciate appreciate it. We'll be talking to you again uh, during basketball season. But thanks, as always, for being on the podcast. John, thank you. Okay, thanks to Chad Bishop of VUCommodores.com. Next up, we have Josh Moore of the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com right after this brief break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, back here with Josh Moore, UK football beat writer with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Uh, Josh, Kentucky coming off that 45-42 loss to Tennessee. Now they play Vanderbilt. Let, let's back up a little, look at the Tennessee loss. Um, you know, uh, Kentucky had chances to win, but they also gave up 45 points in that game. Uh, what was your big takeaway from the loss to Tennessee? Yeah, I think you can go, you know, well, I mean, both things can be or and have some truth to them, but I think you can either look at it as well the you know offense kind of um, you know kind of peed down its leg there at the end, or you know you you put it all on the defense, and I, I lean towards the latter because um, I think you know I'm just of the mind if you put up 600 plus yards and score 42 points, you should be able to win any football game. Um, if you're Kentucky, <laughs> I mean, really, if you're anybody, but especially Kentucky, you know, a team that we've gotten pretty used to this program, um, 
having a really good defense for for what for all the struggles that you know they've had on, on offense, especially you know, and not having real balance there. Um, it's we've gotten pretty used to this team, um, even if they're giving up a lot of yards and, and putting themselves in situations um, where they're bending, they often don't break. And and lately, um, lately, I mean, especially against Tennessee, they didn't even get a chance to bend. <laughs> they were just they were just getting you know shattered there from the start. I mean, um, right. I mean, it was like ten plays. You know, they got like three hundred plus yards on ten plays. Um, right, yeah, seventy five yarder <laughs> in the first place, seventy two yarder on the fourth place. So yeah, I mean, it was just kind of um, remarkable how easily picked apart they were. And some, you know, it's the the frustrating thing I would think if you're, especially if you're Mark Stoops, is you knew that's what their game plan was. Like that's their that's their their deal you know the tempo and getting kind of you know trying to basically create advantageous situations for themselves based on you not being in the right place and and whatnot and and i think on those first couple plays that was partly um what happened there especially but but it's like you know i I still look at that and like that i think i'm pretty sure it was the second touchdown and why is the andre square even covered uh, covering a wide receiver (laughs) there's why was that ever part of the the plan? You know, it just seems really uh, that's a pretty big head scratcher to me. Because um, that you know, even if he's going to get the help, safety help that that wasn't there, um, <laughs> I don't know that that play. Maybe you know, depending on how the way the the, the Jones, I think it was Vilas Jones uh, runs. You know, it, that might still be a touchdown. Right. Um, so it just some some weird things there that you know. You know, you look back on, and, and I think if you're Brad White um, and his, you know, the def- other defensive assistants, that you really have a lot to learn over those last two weeks. Because the thing, you know, the, the thing is, these things, you know, if Hoffel has the success that that you know Tennessee wants him to have, and and you know, obviously beating Kentucky isn't something historically that Tennessee really cares about that much. But I think at this point is a something that matters to them and needs to matter to them to for them to kind of climb back where they think they should be. And, um, you know, in Mississippi state, those, those, you know, situations there are going to change. You're going to be looking and seeing this, uh, you know, tempo and, and the, um, the air raid, you know, every year for at least a few more years. So, uh, it's something that, you know, you, you, based on what we saw on Saturday, it's hard to see Kentucky going to Tennessee next year and not having the same kind of result, you know, you know, like, I mean, cause just, you know, I, I don't know that it was so much a talent thing. It was just a execution and, and, and almost, you know, a schematic breakdown. And, um, so that's something I think in the off season, especially, you know, I think that's probably should be priority. Number one is, um, figuring out how you, contain those deep or those offenses better because you know those are two things you're going to see a lot uh, and they're both you know you know right. especially the air raid are, are very unique with what you're seeing from the rest of the teams in the sec right right uh and where you know mississippi state hurt them with uh short passes tennessee as you mentioned had a bunch of chunk plays uh, I know Kentucky's beat up. How much is it that Kentucky's just beat up on defense? They're missing three. They were missing three starting offensive – I mean, defensive linemen in that game. And Mark McCall, Octavius Oxendine, and Jordan Wright wasn't available in that game. Uh, they've got some other injuries they're dealing with on defense. How much of that do you think plays into it? 
That definitely mattered, um, especially I think against Tennessee, because um, you know they weren't really. I mean, they got it was, it was weird looking at the box score because it didn't in the game didn't feel like they sacked Hendon Hooker five times. You know what I mean? Like it didn't. You know, to me, feel like he was on the ground that much. But then you look at the box score, and um, and I mean, I know a couple of them came there at the end. Um, you know, at the um, you know when they were able to get the ball back and figure something out, and, and that was the crazy thing is they, you know, and I said this. I think I said something about this in the press box. Is 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 you know, I kind of thought Tennessee was doing more to wear itself out than it was even Kentucky, as far as like with the tempo in terms of. Um, you know, and then that sort of explains why they're able to jump out on these teams. And I think, but also why teams kind of get in this situation where they have a chance to come back against them a lot. Cause I, I do think that takes a lot out of guys to, to run. Um, even if they're only running 44 plays, they're running real hard and running real fast on the plays and they're, they're going out there and, and Kentucky was scoring too. So they weren't like, um, you know, they were able to, to kind of have to go back out there and, you know, have to go back out there and run around again. Yeah, but um, uh, I but think, isn't, but isn't Tennessee used to that? I mean, that's the way they play. And we're in the eighth or ninth game of the season. I mean, they should be, they should be pretty well conditioned to be able to play that way, shouldn't they? You'd think so, but they were uh, they were cramping, quote unquote, quite a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're all cramping. <laughs> so, they're all cramping. So, they're just walk, walking around playing normal, and then all of a sudden that cramp just hits them, and it all it yeah, seems to hit them right when you know they they need. The coaches might need to talk to the players. It, so, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's fascinating how those, uh, you know, those cramps. It, it, it's, 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 the cramps are mental, man. We've always we said it for a long time. Cramps are mental. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you, uh, um, but yeah, I think when you you look at what um, just what they were trying to, I've already forgot what the question was. Oh, we're talking, about, we're, we're talking about Tennessee <laughs> offense wearing themselves uh, out. Uh, yeah, but, but so you look at that. Um, and, and, oh, yeah, the defensive line. So, yeah, I think that definitely played a part. I think missing Jordan Wright was big because um, he's a real long guy. I don't know, um, you know, some of that stuff there on the edge. I will like on that play that I, was, I brought up about square, you know, something like that maybe is not as easy to, to, to have happen if you have Wright coming there from the, from the right, you know, from the, the left side, the quarterback's left side, and, you know, just throwing his arms up, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of, you know, a few things like that would, that would have been different with Jordan Wright was in the game. Yeah. Uh, and they had Weaver in, who I think is, you know, you know, long term is a better prospect. Um, but, you, you know, he's maybe not as long. And, and, and also, you know, he's, he's um, you know, he's a guy coming off an ACL injury that's being asked to do a lot all of a sudden for a guy that, uh, you know, was hurt last year and looks great and he'll be great. But, you know, you still need more, you need more, um, you need more guys in a game like that, even though it was just 44 plays. Um, you know, <laughs> you you just need all hands on deck, and well, unfortunately for Kentucky, that's just not something they have the luxury of. I'm not, you know, I don't know what to make of Marquand McCall, whether he'll be available this week or not. I don't know how much it'll matter this week, but you definitely, he's certainly a guy you would want to have ready um, a few weeks from now when you go to Louisville. Yeah. Okay, let's switch over to the offense. Uh, I wasn't able to be, watch the Zoom last night with the uh, with the uh, with Liam Cohen. What what did he have to say? What about the way the uh, the bright spot was definitely the offense. I know they some game management uh, problems there, but overall forty two point six hundred yards. He had to. He, I would think he had to be pleased overall with the way the offense played. 
Yeah, it seemed like it. He talked a bit about the protections because um, there were some breakdowns there, and then yeah. he didn't seem to, you know, he put a lot of it more, it felt like, on other positions uh, than the offensive line. Really? Um, you know, it seemed like, uh, you know, there was at least one sack that he, you know, kind of, you know, all but, you know, put put that on Levis um, for, for, you know, uh-huh. I don't remember which play it was, but, um, you know, thought he, you know, could have not taken one. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then, and then, you know, after the game, what I thought was, you know, I think a lot of people thought Rodriguez, I certainly did, should have been more involved there on that last series. Um, and, and he didn't talk as much about this yesterday, but he talked about it on Saturday that he didn't think, uh, you know, sounded like he didn't really have any regrets about how that last drive was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and depending on the philosophy there, you're trying to go, you know, they're trying to win the game, not settle for a field goal. Maybe that was the right way to go, but I don't know. I, I felt like the clock management was very um, suspect, um, really as a whole, <laughs> that last drive. And, and some of that's on Cohen, some of that's on Stoops. You know, he sort of should be the guy watching that too. Um, and it'd been a while. You know, it'd been in, it's interesting. That, that was a problem early on when Stoops was here. Um, seemed like they had a lot of clock issues early on. You you were covering the team, right? Um, no, they and I wasn't. Uh, it, so, it, and I don't know. Seems <laughs> seems like I wonder. You know, um, you know, if that's just a you know, if it's just a a, a deal where you have a new guy running the offense and you kind of um, just got to go through that growing pain with each other again. So, I mean, I think that's partly, partly what you can attribute that to, but and this is really the first time they'd been in that situation. You know, I mean, they, they'd played some close games up to this point, but I think this is really the first time they, they, you know, literally the games on the line uh, in the final minute and you're trying to, you know, run, you know, trying to win so i you know i don't get as too worked up about that if i'm you know if you're if you're a kentucky fan i don't know you should be worrying about that as much um you know if you you know if it happens again you then you start you know it should creep into you more but i think definitely uh, offense it's hard to be too um too down on what they were doing i think you you it certainly looked like the the kind of you know the way they were operating, especially, you know, because they were able to exchange blows with Tennessee. That was kind of what impressed me. Is I thought going into the game it would be a kind of back and forth, um, you know, punch for punch. and um, But a lot of that was counting on Kentucky to, to operate the way it wants to, and it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Tennessee's defense isn't as strong as some of the, the, the ones that, you know, had lost to the last, you know, weeks before, you know, before they played Tennessee, but especially against the run. But they actually – you know, I thought Tennessee defended pretty well um, up front, you know, compared, I think, to what even I thought they would. So if they were able to still get some yards there and, and then, you know, throw the ball around a lot, um, I think it, I think that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, now we go into Vanderbilt. Uh, Kentucky uh, makes a trip to Nashville. Uh, Mark Stoops said quite a bit of success here lately against uh, Vandy. Kentucky, th- you know, three games left in the season. Uh, what about this game? And if you're if you're Mark Stoops, you worry about motivating your team now. You've lost three in a row. You know you've dropped out of the top twenty five. Uh, you know you're not going to a New Year's Six bowl. Uh, you've got a chance to go to a good bowl, but you know it's not going. It's you know if you beat in Tennessee, beat Mississippi State in Tennessee, you got a good chance of going eleven and one. Even if you split those two, you go ten and two. Now the best they can do in the regular season is nine and three. Do you think motivation is going to be a problem with this team? 
Well, it shouldn't be because I would hope I, you sure would hope that losing three straights enough motivation if right. <laughs> beyond, but right. but you would have said that about losing two. Um, I think you know it's hard for me to see this team not going down there and just really putting putting together a really good performance. They, it might not be as sharp defensively as it should be um, against a team like Vanderbilt. I know that you know they're dealing with a lot of injuries themselves. Um, it doesn't. It sounded like Ken Seals, their quarterback, was back at practice or was going to be back at practice this week. But that might, you know, his availability availability could be you know, still up in the air. The running back has been dealing with a suspension, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's he's trying to come back. Um, you know, they're not good. <laughs> I mean, let's be. You know, I, I know it's easy to to, to um, hammer down. Vanderbilt and, and you know poke fun at them or whatever, but they really aren't good. They rank like I believe their their defense and offense both are in the top and bottom ten in the country. Uh, you know they score something like fourteen point five points per game or fourteen point nine something like that. Um, they they give up you know a ton of yards and, and uh, allow like thirty six points a game. They're actually not the worst scoring defense in the league. That title belongs to Missouri. But, yeah. uh, you know, and Kentucky was able to move the ball well against Missouri. And, and Vanderbilt's got a lot of young guys. They're playing a lot of young guys on defense. I was reading something earlier today. They, they have two fre- true freshman linebackers and true freshman um, uh, DBs <laughs> in their defense that are playing a lot and and, uh, and 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 are going to, you know, presumably play against Kentucky. So, And they have, like, three other freshmen kind of playing a lot of snaps elsewhere on the offense. So, this is a team that Kentucky really shouldn't have any trouble against. But, you know, you, if you're not motivated you, and go down there, they're certainly not uh, – you know, I don't think they're good enough to win. I don't think Vanderbilt is going to be able to win this game. But they've played some teams close, um, including, yeah. you know, including South Carolina. They probably should have – you know, honestly should have beaten South Carolina. Um, yeah, Missouri. 20 in Columbia back on the 16th of October. And they play, you know, Missouri 37-28. Missouri didn't make mm-hmm. out last time. Of course, Missouri's struggling this year. But, yeah, they and the two two of the last three games, they play, they've had a chance to win. Yeah, they've definitely they've definitely held their own and, and against some teams that, you know, if we're being honest, Kentucky didn't really show up too great against. They were rolling against Missouri, and then the, the tide changed. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and those games were early in the season, and these games were later in the season, so, so you can get into, you know, Teams getting better or worse depending on how things are going. I mean, it's like South Carolina. You look at you know, you know that Kentucky win at South Carolina in the moment was impressive just because it was a road win and and the way they kind of won it. And you know, I don't know is that win better or worse after South Carolina beats up on Florida or is that Florida right. win worse? It's got you can get into all kinds of stuff like that. Right. Um, I think if you're Kentucky, you know, you shouldn't have any problem getting motivated because you've lost three straight. This team is that you're getting ready to play is bad. You should be able to go out there and and have fun. I mean, you should. I, I you know, I, I'm not like saying Vanderbilt is a slouch. I don't. I sound like I'm being disrespectful, and I probably am. But <laughs> I think it's just, um, it's an opponent that is good enough for Kentucky to go out there, um, and if they do the things they want to do, they should get a good. You know, they should be able to like get right. You know, this should be like the get right game. Um, and, and historically, you look at the last you know half decade, that's been the case for Kentucky. They went on these slides, uh, you know, lose a tough game or lose a few games in a row, and then they play Vanderbilt and 
suddenly they go on these two, three, four game win streaks at the end of the season. It just kind of, you know, some of that's based on how you play. You know, Louisville's been down a little bit. They've, they've, um, you know, usually play their one of their uh, guarantee games right after this, you know, right on Senior Day weekend, and 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 then the and then the bowl game is what it is. So, you know, some of it's the circumstance of the schedule, but you know, tend, this game lately has tended to be, you know, you know like a you know, like a get right, you know, like a cure all, you know, for some right. of Kentucky's problems. Uh, and I think it, you know, it should be that this year. It, like again, yeah, you have to be motivated, but you know, I would hope, you know, with, with all the seniors this team has and all the experience that the, you know, this, this game should, should they, they'll take it seriously and um, go out Saturday and, and have a good showing. Yeah. Well, it's a seven o'clock start down in Nashville on ESPN two. I'm not sure why it's a seven o'clock start, but it's on ESPN two. Uh, we'll have uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to the game during the game and after the game. Uh, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Moore HL. Look for his, uh, predictions uh which are always fun to read here later in the week and anything else you want to plug josh anything else coming up anything else on your radar before i let you go i had a story uh, mark stoops talked a lot about the transfer portal we yes. ended up, a lot of us ended up asking about that uh early in the week so i wrote some about that and what maybe kentucky will look for there um you know maybe in the off season here as we you know get into recruiting time yeah, that start time is so strange. I don't get why that game, you know, ended up where it did. Because you look at all the, you know, other matchups, it just seems like, you know, that. <laughs> I guess it was, you know, helped that there were two teams that had the, you know, had some guarantee games. Like Alabama plays New Mexico State. You know, that that game's, I guess, technically worse than Kentucky at Vanderbilt. But uh, I don't know. Part of me thinks if you have Alabama on ESPN two, it's better than having Kentucky and Vanderbilt on ESPN two. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Uh, but it'll be fun. I mean, I think. I mean, that's the other thing for you know, if you're as far as like the motivation, you know, Vanderbilt's kind of embracing. You know, who knows what their crowd will be like, but you know, they're breaking out some new alternate uniforms. They're they're trying to have a blackout with their fans in the stadium, and you know, it'll be a night game. This game, I, I tried to look it up, but this game. As far as I can tell, for sure under Stoops, and even you know going back to you know early, it, it at least hasn't been played at night in Nashville since at least like the like the the, the the aughts. Like, and I can't really figure out like pin down when the last time was, but um, yeah, it's a you know, so question. this it, it'll be new for them. Yeah, I don't have record. I keep a lot of record, but I don't keep records on the night games. I know that yeah, there was a night game. Uh, and when Mum, down at Vanderbilt when Mummy was coach, uh, but that might been that might have been the last one. I can't think of another one. Uh, it, it, it's possible because I, I went back looking. At, I mean, like the you know the times like I can only really go back to like 2006, 2005 before it, like like as far like I go on College Football Reference and mm-hmm. and you know they keep the times, but they kind of taper off once you get around to the middle of the. Last uh, decade, so it's kind of hard to to pin down. But it's there's been like I think one at Kroger Field between the two, Mm -hmm. um, one or two since then. But it's you know it seems like a pretty rare occasion. So for them, I mean, it's you know 
you know, their 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 fans should you know be lit if uh you know. <laughs> yeah, ninety nine Kentucky beat Vanderbilt down there. Uh, mummy nineteen seventeen. I remember that game. That was definitely a night game. Kentucky, if I remember right, got a late fumble in that game, and and which either saved the win or helped them win the game. I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, I'm like you. It seems like every Vanderbilt game I've gone to since then, uh, or. You know, down in Nashville has been a day game, so this is this is very unusual. So it will be interesting to see what kind of crowd they get and what kind of support they get for a night game there in Nashville. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. You know, last time I was there, you know, where it was my first year on the beat, they, you know, it was like a three o'clock start or something. And, usually, so. you know, it ended at night, but it was yeah. like you know, <laughs> and it was that game. I mean, it it was not a good game. Kentucky just, you know, it was the first game where they had like four three or four straight 400 yard rushing games. So, okay. <laughs> um, and Lynn Bowden was running the show. So, yeah. okay. Okay. Well, uh, Kentucky Vandy Saturday, seven o'clock ESPN two. Uh, like I said, be sure and follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Moore HL. Check him out in the Herald leader and in, on uh, in the digital uh, edition or whatever you call it, the, the online <laughs> on Kentucky.com. Thanks as always, Josh, for being on the podcast. Appreciate you, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Chad Bishop and Josh Moore. Remember, it's a 7 o'clock start down in Nashville Saturday night on ESPN2. Be sure and follow all of our coverage on Kentucky.com. I'll have updates uh, on my blog, the sidelines blog during the game. I'll have my takeaways after the game, so look for that as well. I think it might be a little closer game than maybe some Kentucky fans think going down to Vanderbilt on Saturday. It'll be interesting to see how Mark, Sto- Mark Stoops' team reacts from the 45-42 loss last week at Tennessee. They're on a three-game losing streak. They, of course, want to snap that losing streak. They beat Vandy five straight, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's a lot closer than maybe uh, some people expect come Saturday down in Music City. But be sure and check out all of our coverage leading up to, during, and after the game. Thanks again to my guests, Chad Bishop and Josh Moore. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.